Welcome back to The Ron Show. I am your host, Ron Roberts. This is the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. It is Friday, December 23rd, 2022, and the theme of the day essentially is empathy. And this is something that we, we talked at the opening segment that society seems to lack a lot of. And I figured this would be a great time to talk about empathy as you head into the holiday season and you're going to be stuck with your family. In fact, I have a friend who uh, is driving. In fact, I think he drove today. Luke, hopefully you got to North Carolina. Uh, said that he was going to be in the mountains over the weekend with his family and no internet and very spotty cell service. He is screwed. He's going to have to talk to his family. <laughs> he was kind of sweating that, I'm not going to lie. But um, hopefully uh, he's enjoying that uh, that time with his family and learning to have conversations uh, across generations about some things that we don't talk enough about in this country. And I think empathy is one of those things. We do a lot of finger pointing. We do a lot of, well, they should have, or he should have, or she should have, or this isn't my problem. And that's, that is the problem. That is our problem. We talked uh, in the first segment about like water problems in Flint, Michigan, and most recently in Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi, by the way, used to have more than 200,000 folks living in it. It's now under 160,000. Think of it this way. If you lived in a... Um, we're just going to just go with me here. It's a five bedroom apartment, a five, five bedroom apartment. And you and your four roommates had been pooling expenses. Okay. You guys were sharing the expenses between utilities, uh, the rent and even the groceries. And then one of your roommates moves out and you guys, the, the rest of you decide, okay, well, we, not sure we want to take in a new roommate just yet, but we'll we'll keep an eye out for somebody that can move in. But in the interim, we can take care of these household expenses ourselves. But we really don't want to spend more individually on groceries as a result. Because everything else is going to go up. The cost of the utilities per person is going to go up. Not altogether, but per person. So you're going to have to make some sacrifices elsewhere, and that might mean the groceries. Now, do you think you're going to be eating the same quality of food? No, you're not. You're going to be eating cheaper groceries. And so you're not going to be making the same nutritious decisions you made before. You may be eating cheaper, more mass-produced crud which isn't good for you. It just isn't. You're going to make sacrifices. Think of it that way. If you're a city like Jackson, Mississippi, and you used to have an economic base of 200,000 folks to draw your taxes from, but now you're down to 160,000, I mean, you're down, by my math, by about 20%. So that's a little less income. Even worse, say say you've got uh, of the of the four roommates left, you've got the one who just cannot seem to get a job, and so now you're down to only sixty percent of your income. And 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 why your 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 roommate Jamal can't get a job perplexes you. You don't understand why. And Jamal says, "I'm filling out job applications. I'm just not getting calls back." There is such a thing as hiring bias, y'all. And there are studies done that bear out that folks named Jamal don't get called back 
as often as folks named Jimmy or James. That's not Jamal's fault. And we're not going to sit here and say, well, his parents shouldn't have given him an ethnic name. I mean, come on. It's the United States. You should be able to name your kid what you want. How many different ways can we spell Brittany, for God's sakes? (laughs) So when you find these scenarios pop up, cities like Jackson, Mississippi, with its decreasing return in tax base and citizens who have trouble getting jobs because of things like hiring bias, hampering them even more, but you got the same size house. You got the same utility bill. It's that way for Jackson, Mississippi or Atlanta, Georgia, as well. It's not like the city decided, well, uh, we have fewer people living in Atlanta now, so we're just going to lop off a chunk of the city and not police it anymore and turn off the water for that area of town. No, you don't do that. You've got to maintain the infrastructure that was there for the larger population, that is, a lot of whom since vacated. But that extends the expense and the burden on the citizens that are still here. It's why living in a major city in the United States can get more expensive. Not just because of skyrocketing real estate uh, costs, but also because the infrastructure from a city that, like, look at Detroit. Detroit was a massive city, population-wise and landmass-wise, in the 1950s. And then the out-migration phenomenon hit the country after scholastic integration. And Detroit is a shell of its former self. People-wise, but size-wise, infrastructure-wise, the same amount of city that the police has to police hasn't changed. So the expense hasn't gotten less expensive as the population has dwindled. No, for cities like Detroit, or Flint, Michigan, or Jackson, Mississippi, those expenses remain. So, I know what you're thinking. I don't live in Jackson, Mississippi. What does this matter to me that Jackson, Mississippi has a water problem? Well, it matters to all of us that as a society, we would allow this to happen. It's not just Mississippi's problem, and it's not just Jackson's problem. Those are American citizens that are having boil advisories. Those are American citizens who have kids who are, you know, developing illnesses, some of which can be chronic from exposure to poor quality water. We want those kids to grow up to be model citizens, to be contributors to our economy, to be our next wave of leaders, right? Well, poor nutrition poor water quality in your childhood can have an immense impact on your outcome in adulthood. Tell you a story. My parents, when I was a child, small child, were smokers. My mom smoked Benson and Hedges. I remember that. And I only only remember that because she used to make cat toys out of the Benson and Hedges package. She used to tie them up uh, and hang them from the doorknobs. We used to call them play pretties for the cats to play with. <laughs> I remember my mom smoked Benson and Hedges. I don't remember what dad smoked. I, I want to say camels, but I, that doesn't feel right. Anyway, both of them smoked until I want to say I was like 11, maybe 12 years old. And the anti-smoking campaign in the country really started ramping up. 
And I remember C. Everett Coop, Surgeon General at the time, he was very outspoken against smoking. And that's when the label started hitting the cigarettes and the cigarette makers started having to face the lawsuits because it was coming to light that they knew all along that smoking was bad for your health and withheld that information, suppressed it even, fought it. Anyway, my parents stopped smoking around the time I was 11, 12, 13 years of age. And my mom and dad did a pretty good job of never picking it up again. I think my mom grabbed a pack once that she had hidden when uh, she found out my sister was pregnant. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to all of us. Uh, In any event, for the first uh, 10, 11, 12 years of my life, my parents smoked. I didn't. I, I didn't care for it. I usually wasn't like right up under them. When they did smoke, I mean, there were those situations, I guess, before folks got wise to the fact that smoking with the windows up in the car was bad for your kids, too. And That happened. It happened. I'm telling y'all, it was a different era. The 70s and 80s were totally different, y'all. Now you get pulled over, given a ticket, <laughs> cited for child abuse. But if you don't think that had an impact on my health and well-being, you're sadly mistaken. I was the kid in P.E who hated running. I couldn't run long distances. I couldn't run fast. I'd get out of breath. Not because I smoked red emphysema. I didn't cough up anything. But I know, I know it had an impact on my physical ability back then. And so I was never that kid that enjoyed running. Still don't. I was never super skinny, never had abs, because cardiovascular activity is kind of a big part of that. Also, My parents were like low middle class wage earners and hot dogs and macaroni and cheese were dinner a lot. Healthy vegetables weren't always an option for us. And that had an impact too. It wasn't until I would say, and by the way, I'm 48 years old. It wasn't until I'd say the last three years or so that I realized finally, if I want to get on a treadmill and run a mile, a 5K even, that I could do it without just about dying for breath. I learned how to embrace my lung capacity and make use of it. And I don't think it's any mistake whatsoever that that came to me late in life, decades after my parents smoked for the first decade plus of my life. I say all this to say that what folks in Flint dealt with, what the folks in Jackson, Mississippi are dealing with, isn't just a them problem. And folks can't just pick up and leave. Can you just pick up and leave? Can you just pick up and move because where you live has poor water? And don't you think that's going to have an impact on your home's resale value? By the way, I'm a real estate agent. I can tell you it would negatively impact your home's resale value. Folks want to stay there. They've earned equity and don't want to leave. So why should they have to just because their city's water quality is so poor and their city is so underfunded, they can't deal with it. So why are you making noise about federal tax dollars going to help this city? A, it's a lack of empathy. B, are you, are you, are you showing your are you showing your race card a little bit? I'm not, I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm asking you to consider if that has any role in it whatsoever. 
because I know at the tip of your tongue, conservative, that it's a dim run city. It's just sitting right there at the tip of your tongue. You just want to, it's a dim run city. But it's a dim run city that has been long hampered by its underfunding, its dwindling population, the very demonization of the word urban, inner city. Yeah, these are all factors. And the, well, they should just move. Rejoinder. It's so dismissive of all the other factors that I just talked about. Multi-generational home ownership. Money that has been earned in equity that folks don't want to just leave and don't want to take a huge loss on just because a problem that a city needs to fix, but is incapable of fixing, financially speaking, isn't fixing a problem. And you want those kids in that city to become the next generation of wage earners, contributing to our economy, adding to Social Security so that it's there for us when we're old. It's not just about empathy. It's it's about realizing that we're all part of this moving wheel. When you pedal forward, that other pedal's moving too. And the next time that pedal comes up to the top, it could be somebody else's foot pushing it. And that's why it's not just empathetic, but it's also self-serving for us to do what we can to take care of each other and to eliminate obstacles that exist for no good reason. Am I making any sense now? More Ron Show after this. Last segment after this on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com. Incidentally, for those who don't know, my full-time job is that I am a realtor, a real estate agent with eXp Realty. And you can dive right into the latest listings, get your home value checked out, check out open houses, by visiting me at ronontheal.com. Even share some uh, blog posts that has me focusing in on the real estate industry and trends. Obviously, interest rates are climbing right now, which has a lot of folks thinking, oh, that means the market's going to go south. Mm, Atlanta's, Atlanta's a different animal. Money Magazine actually says that Atlanta is the number one place to live, the best place to live in the United States. And by 2040, there will be two and a half million more of us living in Metro Atlanta. There's like six million now. That's a big chunk of people coming in the next 18 years. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, 18 years, that's that's a long way from now. Do you know it was 18 years ago we were all jamming in the club to a new song called Yeah by Usher, Lil John, and Ludacris? Yeah. <laughs> Not all that long ago, right? Life moves pretty fast. Ferris Bueller, thank you. Currently, we are seeing mortgage interest rates at or above 7%. That's a far cry from the below 3% figures we were enjoying the last two years, but they're not all that different than what they were in 2004, 18 years ago. And by 2040, if you pull the trigger on a home purchase or a rental income investment property today, you'd be either done with it if you chose a 15-year mortgage or more than halfway through a 30-year note, with equity growing by the year in a local housing market needing space for 2.5 million more people by 2040. What I'm saying is what you buy now is likely going to be wildly more valuable in 2040 or even 2030. It really is good to be number one, especially if you own your own home or a rental income property or both in Metro Atlanta. Hit me up, Ron at ronontheal.com.
843-283-0078. Georgia MLS 396-720.